it, it really is life that comes to you, meaning that you get to meet all sort of people from all different backgrounds. They will tell you their story and um, there's a great cultural exchange. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Italy's influence in Australia is really quite extraordinary. Few, if any, cuisines have become such a major part of the culinary landscape than Italian. But as we know, every region of Italy is different, as is every region of Australia. What's it like creating a regional restaurant in Australia that stays true to its roots and to the region? Isabella Greco is the restaurant manager at Stefano's Restaurant in Mildura, Victoria. Isabella, how are you? Oh, hello, Hank. I'm, uh, Hank, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm really good. It's great to get you on the show. You're part of a very important regional restaurant in Australia, uh, Stefano's. How are things there at the moment? Thank you. Um, we had a little bit of a quiet month, um, but things are well. Um, it's a, um, we've come out of COVID um, and we're very glad um, that we were able to reopen again and continue with our business. Have, have things changed quite a bit? You know, it's, it was a little bit difficult for regional restaurants to just pivot and do takeaway, but has, has the restaurant model changed a lot coming out of the last three years for you guys? Uh, no, we are not licensed uh, for takeaway. So um, we literally closed. And then when we came out of lockdown, every time we would be out of lockdown, we would reopen and then close again and reopen again. Um, but no, nothing, uh, as in the structure of the business, um, nothing has changed. Uh, pretty much we're doing the same. What's it feel like for you guys um, in a regional centre? There was a boom in regional areas when everyone sort of got to travel again. Um, do you get a sense that diners are a little bit different after that sort of period? Um, no. Um, we had, of course, coming out of lock lockdown, a lot like a booming in the sense of um, a lot more customers. We were full almost every night. Um, but as far as the actual uh, customers are concerned, I think um, um, coming to a restaurant like Stefano's um, always brings a certain expectation. So I think uh, standards have always been pretty high, expectations pretty high, and that is not changed. Tell us a little bit about the restaurant and what you guys are doing there. Um, we, <laughs> we are set underground in what used to be the uh, cellars of the Mildura Grand Hotel. And it's a, it was born as a pop-up uh, restaurant. And currently uh, we're serving a set menu. Um, we don't even print one. It's really um, what the kitchen uh, cooks daily, what's available locally, what's in season. And we explain every course at the table as we serve. The only thing that is given to the customers is the wine list. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's, the, what's the challenges with a restaurant model like that? Um, being the restaurant manager and, and running things, is it, does it have its challenges? Um, 
it it does um probably what um what I try to do and um, the, the greatest challenges have everyone uh, know the ingredients and what, how the food is prepared um, because not having a visual reference, it's all done by heart, by memory, uh, but it's actually really fun and it keeps up really strong engagement with uh, patrons. We talk them through the menu. They're just aware that even through the night, the menu can change. Um, so, but oftentimes, even when Stefan is in the kitchen, um, he, you know, comes up with an idea and there's an extra course or the main changes completely. It's really improvised and very, we never get bored. <laughs> <laughs> it's very fun, you know, you'll come out, out of the kitchen with a pot with tripe and says, you know, I've done this today, um, do you want to try it? And that is it. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's that like for you in the front of house um, and also with the wine list and matching wines with, with such a dynamic food menu? Does it, um, tell us a little bit about that. But it's, it's absolutely fun. There are hilarious moments. Um, you know, one time Maine was supposed to be um, uh, lamb. And so I can't remember what red wine I had paired with it. And then all of a sudden the diners find themselves with prawns wrapped in prosciutto. And, <laughs> and that just means another extra wine and, you know, uh, you can't, um, it's, it's, it's fun. And, you know, it keeps the conversation really open. Um, it's very dynamic. Uh, it's never static. And that is very satisfying at the end of the day. We, we're open only for dinner service and those three, four hours of service are really intense. Um, and really fun. I, I personally enjoy it very much. It, I, I have started that way in, in Stefano's and I would find it hard to change the structure now. It's just so part of, of how things are done that, um, yeah. What, what's it like sort of uh, running a uh, such an influential regional restaurant, but it's also, you know, at its heart Italian as well in sort of regional Australia. With it, um, uh, tell us a little bit about what's involved to be successful doing what you do. Well, of course, uh, there's a strong Italian identity um, that comes through Stefano's background and his love for this region. Um, Probably, oh, that's a very hard question. I think um, mm, for success, probably um, the creativity and the connection that we are able to establish with our patrons, um, the fact that we try as much as we can to care uh, for our customers. It's not of course, um, it's not cheap uh, compared to other cheaper options to dine at our restaurant, but um, 
um, let's say, you know, it happens um, and it happened in the past that someone would come up at the door and say, hey, um, but I was thinking about spending 50 or $60 and Stefano will sit them anyway and say, hey, um, I can get like not bargaining, but you know, trying to satisfy the desire that someone has of dining in such an iconic establishment, but not being able to afford it. So there's a compromise that is reached there and that goes beyond uh, what can you measure with money, if that makes sense. Um, there is, um, and also um, something uh, that I've learned um, through time um, that the high standards that um, we put on ourselves often um, come as an obstacle to that connection. So uh, great service and um, is not just, you know, is not serving someone with your hand behind your back. It's, it's, it, there's, so, there's so much more involved that those or, you know, carrying the plates with just one hand rather than two or three as, you know, the fine dining and silver service. It's um, much more focused on uh, looking after the team uh, because if your team is unhappy, you'll have an unhappy experience on the floor and it automatically reflects on uh, that atmosphere you're trying to create. So... Um, I would say key to success, um, staff that is happy to be there and shows up every day, connection with your clientele and be able to deliver a moment um, of joy, basically. Um, you know, we celebrate with them some of the most important um, like milestone moments as in the birth of a child or a 50th wedding anniversary. One time we had a little function of 12 people of two uh, grandchildren. They wanted to celebrate their grandmother. They didn't know if that would have been her last birthday. She was 96. So, you know, you try to, the, the people, um, if you are open to receive, people will be open in, um, telling you what it is that they want and we try to cater to those needs and look after them and even as I was saying earlier there are people who can't afford uh, the luxury of a place like ours because uh, of course it is a bit of a luxury but um, not to belittle them but make them feel welcome and appreciated uh, for both their business and the uh, idea that they have of us, you know, the effort of coming to us rather than choosing someone else. It's such an iconic venue and as you say, it's a destination as well. But how important is the support of locals to the restaurant like Stefano's? Um, it is important. Um, Stefano has been, you know, advocating for Mildura all around the country. His last um, show on SBS Food Network was a node to this region, Mildura Football of Australia, and show how much uh, is done in Mildura and um, what a big uh, agricultural and food culture there is. But I have to, I, I can't help but say with a little bit of sadness, 
that our major, um, that the majority of the customers that we have are visiting Miljura. Uh, there isn't much, uh, like the biggest part, let's say. There are a lot of locals, but um, a lot of uh, people that come even from Perth or, you know, Queensland or Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney, um, more than locals, I guess. Um, probably it's like, you know, when you live uh, in a place, you kind of uh, let it slip and you think, oh, you can always go there. But probably when you visit, you have much more of a focus on what you want to do and what you want to see. Tell us a little bit about Mildura and the region and, and its producers and what you love about it. Well, again, Mildura being a, in, in the country, part of regional Victoria, um, well, first of all, it's a, it, it's a city, but it's still a, sm a little bit of a small community. So um, uh, people have that generosity in spirit in helping and sharing and um, getting affectionate, you know, that probably it's a bit harder to find in a bigger uh, city. Um, so you get to know basically everyone. <laughs> um, um, there's um, people are probably humble and this great connection with earth and seasonality and product and pr produce um, is is amazing we we're very lucky to have access to such amazing products that we can serve in our restaurant um, it has a great cultural uh, scene um, very connected with arts uh, with music um, with tourism in general, um, it, is that correct? Is that um, answering your question? Mm. Or yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> definitely. Um, I want to explore um, sort of what you do with the front of house and running the restaurant to to the standards that you uphold there. Such an, an amazing restaurant. But take us back to when you were, you were young. Where did where did you grow up, and what sort of role did food play in your family? But um, I was born in Calabria and my family moved to Florence when I was very young. So that's where I grew up. Um, I traveled a little bit. I've lived in Napoli for uh, five years, then Milan for a couple. And then I came to Australia. Um, I've been working in hospitality um, since I was um, 17, 18. Um, it has always um, food has always played as for many uh, Italians, but not just Italians, probably Europeans, um, a, a great uh, role in our lives as in also um, not only in the uh, family, like familiar circumstances where, you know, everything happens in the kitchen, whether it's cooking, fighting, studying, uh, telling the, the biggest news or uh, bad news. It's, it's always been the center um, of our home. Um, my family somehow has always been involved uh, with hospitality. My older brother um, worked in a literary cafe in Florence 
for a few years and he was telling me all about it, all about it. And um, has always held a great appeal and charm and um, uh, culturally wise, um, it, not only Italy, as I was saying, but in this case, Italy has always had a very strong relationship with food, uh, painting, and politics, and religions. If you see, um, uh, you can find the first uh, testimonials of food paintings in ancient uh, Rome, and then it gets uh, taken to uh, the painting for par excellence of uh, food, which is the Last Suppers, that are a tale, a complex tale of food uh, through the centuries, from the late Middle Ages until the first uh, Renaissance, you know. Um, it's um, all linked uh, with anthropology, history, um, and this engraved passion that we have for uh, food. Are there any sort of um, dishes or feasts that you recall from when you were young within your family? Um, that you can share with us? The uh, big, of course, uh, celebration, uh, Christmas Eve, all with uh, seafood and fish. We had a very big uh, fireplace in marble. I, we used to live in a home uh, in Florence, in the center of Florence uh, from uh, 1400. So you used to have this amazing fireplaces and you would cook anything in it and Christmas Eve we used to have all these um, you know relatives and non-relatives coming over and eating and drinking until you know half of January basically would the party would carry on until after you know um, the epiphany which is the 6th of January um, you know, birthdays, of course, uh, would be a great. Uh, but every little uh, in my family, every we we would find every excuse to celebrate. Um, of course, food was also key in taking comfort in hard moments. So, if I my, still today, when I visit my brother in Melbourne, if I'm a little sad, he'll uh, cook for me um, my favorite uh, dishes from him. So, and you find solace and comfort in food and a glass of wine. What um, lured you to Australia? Um, I was meant to come over just, uh, I had a tough year uh, back home and I was meant to get away for six, eight months to clean my head and come back to Italy with a clearer mind. Uh, but then once I got to Melbourne, and as my brother lives there, he's been living there for almost uh, for 30 years now, um, I had been told, uh, you know, um, you can work in a farm for 88 days and uh, stay for a second year. And I thought, why not? So Mildura was one of the areas where this could happen. Um, I had been told about Stefano's restaurant and um, 
Stefano was only was also the only person who gave me a job here in Mildura. I didn't have a CV. He looked at me and he said, "Oh, do you have any experience?" Um, yeah, just put on a white shirt and see what, what what you can do. If we like each other, we'll work to work together. And my goal originally was to save up, you know, two hundred dollars, get a bus to Melbourne, and that's it. But then um, I kept postponing my departure every every week and every day to the point that I went back to Melbourne and then Stefano called me back and said, oh, what are you up to? Why don't you come back? I went back and he said, I want to sponsor you. And from that moment on, it's been, you know, eight years. My I'll leave tomorrow, I'll leave tomorrow is now eight years old. So <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Um, yes. Wow. Wow. How, how much have you changed um, since living uh, in Mildura and in this role, um, given you weren't even meant to be here for more than six months? Well, I think uh, change is inevitable. Um, you grow as a professional, of course. I mean, working cheek to cheek with such an iconic personality, um, but also under a human point of view. Stefano is a very human person, you know, with all of his qualities, but of course, all of the faults and shortcomings. And um, I think from being a little arrogant at the beginning, you know, where um, you see all the, um, uh, this competition and you want to win the awards and you want to be up there, you kind of, Professionally, I started to uh, realize very quickly with Stefano, undoubtedly, that um, on top of uh, all the glamour and allure that comes with being recognized, at the end of the day, it's just a company like anybody, like um, any other company made with people who try to put food on the table and pay for the kid's life. So. Um, you just show up every day and try to find satisfaction um, in those um, jobs that you do repeatedly, almost in an automatic way, um, and see the human side of it. Probably um, that that has changed. Um, I'm afraid I want to apologize for my English. Does it? Uh, some things I translate uh, instantly from Italian to English, so I wonder if. Uh, what I say makes sense, or uh, is it clear? Uh, uh, you're okay. absolutely. It's your English okay. is fantastic. It's absolutely no problem <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> uh, Stefano has um, made a huge impact not only on the region, but as you mentioned before as well on the TV as well. But do you have any stories of what it's like to actually work with him? But is very intense. Uh, he's a great of uh, a very strong uh, personality, um, but um, we had, or uh, probably I shouldn't say this, but plenty of arguments through the years and slamming doors and screaming and shouting and, you know, uh, swearing. And uh, but the beautiful thing is that, uh, like, like him, um, I mean. Like uh, we have this thing in common that um, once the pressure's off, we're able to reconnect pretty much instantly. You know, we have an argument and that 
and that is the end of it. It doesn't carry on through the days or through the evening. It's just it. Uh, but that's also, you know, passion come is a bit of a double-edged sword. It's very good when it's good, but it's also very passionate in the in the bad side of it. So the argument gets gets very heated, and um, you know. But you can see him coming in um, on a Sunday morning, washing the oven, and I say, "Why didn't you say?" Uh, why didn't you tell you know the kitchen to do it? And he'll be answering, "Oh, but the young, the kids, you don't want them you know to stay in until too late, and I don't want them to come in on a Sunday. I don't mind it. I enjoy it. It's like a meditation for me, so you know that is that is absolutely uh, priceless, and it teaches you how you know the more you get responsibility. And the higher you up you go on the ladder, uh, the more you work. Um, and to be humble is is a key. And you know, the worst he would say to me, "You should never ask anyone to do something that you wouldn't do yourself in the first place." So the whole thing, lead by example, um, put in the work and. I remember one day, I um, when I started worked when I started to work with him, I would go in the kitchen and work in the kitchen to help uh, to see to have a better understanding some of what it was and what they were doing and how things were prepared. And um, I was um, I can't remember if I was uh, plucking parsley and you know peeling capsicums. And I was like, oh, this is, you know, such a menial job, such a, so boring. And he looked at me and said to me, what do you think cooking is? This is cooking. It's the preparation. It's, you know, plucking the parsley and cutting the onions and, you know, <laughs> making sure that everything is prepped. It's not what you see on your uh, glamorous TV shows. Cooking is this. <laughs> Go pick the thyme and the rosemary. <laughs> <laughs> You mentioned how important the the team is and looking after the team to ensure they deliver on sort of what is required for the guests. Mm -hmm. What do you tell your front of house staff and, you know, what? how do you train them to do what they do? Well, a big investment of my uh, time goes into the building of the uh, sequence of service. I think uh, without training, you can't hope for a positive outcome. Um, I, um, my first experiences in Italian hospitality were like being in the jungle, uh, very abusive, very toxic, and there, were, there was no training whatsoever. It was up to you to steal the art with your eyes and replicate and learn as fast as possible because you don't, two, three days you're out and there's a whole line of, you know, people ready to do your job for half the price of what you get. So. It gets very draining, and um, in those situations, I thought to myself, I still remember clearly that I wouldn't want that to happen uh, if I were ever to be in charge of anything. So, um, training, explaining, um, of course, there are a lot of things that you can teach that can only be learned. So, it also goes, you know, people are responsible for what they learn as well. I can't open your head and put a memory card with everything, but I can certainly uh, show you the way and teach you what I know 
and um, all for the best. So sequence of service um, explaining um, also um, on top of, you know, trying to get everyone to point A to point B, um, um, you know, sometimes I hear teachers shouldn't be inspiring. They should just be teaching. That's their job. But I feel that if you can instill some sense of pride, um, because it's not often seen as a career, you know, as a goal. A lot of times people would do this job while they're at uni to, you know, save some money and then move on to better things where... For me, this is a choice. I, could, I left um, law in order to pursue this career. So um, I think if you can instill some sense of pride and a sense of importance or in what you do, like a higher purpose, probably that's the hardest thing to transmit. That is not just about taking a plate from the past to the table, but that a sense of accomplishment at the end of the night when you go home that you've done a good job and that you've uh, given something of yours um, to your customers probably that's even a harder part to do but I try I try to do that of course um, I'm not always successful um, it's a constant uh, work in progress um, uh, and probably that is the most challenging part because, um, you know, I'll go home and read about the story of, you know, spaghetti with tomato. And when we serve a bowl with spaghetti and tomatoes, uh, I feel all pride because it's the result of centuries of uh, exchange and the industrial revolution, industrialization of spaghetti, tomatoes from America, potatoes from America, the buffalo, mozzarella, you know, there's a whole story that now we take for granted, of course, with the modernity and contemporaneity of technology and everything that we have nowadays. But before we could reach what we have now, we talk about, of course, centuries of development and revolution. So I... Um, um, sometimes it's hard to try to 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 infect everyone with the, that kind of passion and sense of you know a high. Uh, I wouldn't say culture, but you know a, a high purpose, something that goes beyond working and get your money out of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah. Do you feel a sense of obligation to traditional Italian cuisine um, and also Australian ingredients? Like, what, what, what's what's the process for you? Is it is it a tough thing to balance with a restaurant like um, Stefano's? Um, absolutely not. Uh, Stefano is um, his cooking comes from the tradition of cucina povera, and in a region like Mildura, it's um, not that hard. Uh, to come by the ingredients that we need. But um, uh, look, um, Italian identity, it's a bit of a controversial um, topic. And I think that if um, even Italian people uh, were to understand that the mechanic involved in um, Italian food culture are so much more complex and so much the result of constant contamination and 
um, you understand that Italian Italian uh, at the end of the day doesn't really exist oh my god what did I just say but yes <laughs> you know um, there you go you see like spaghetti with tomato or the use of uh, I don't know potatoes or olives mandarins you know we talk about the if you see the extent of Roman Empire uh, we go it, it's very very wide and that allowed a lot of ingredients to travel through so um, starting from so back uh, yes there's no uh, Italian it's something that is in constant movement and I wish we were all more um, elastic and we could bend. Um, there is a very interesting Italian podcast that uh, crashes all these Italian myths about <laughs> what we think and we are so fundamentalist about Italian dishes and Italian culture and um, uh, instead you realize how a lot of it is um, you know this story of a, of a tale, marketing uh, and everything that comes with the sense of identity and nationality that at the end um are very separate things um yeah well you've uh, you're part of a very very important restaurant in australia and doing amazing things here what is it that you love about what you do i feel that um the restaurant intended as hospitality really puts together all sorts of um uh, different things from it's like a m melting pot of all the things I love. Uh, that is art, music, uh, science, uh, politics, and uh, you can see everything, uh, um, all of that coming through into a restaurant. And um, it is uh, a business that doesn't allow much room to travel and get out much. Um, but if you, if you uh, are a little in tune with what is happening around you, you get to meet amazing people. And it, I wrote in a post, it, it really is life that comes to you, meaning that you get to meet all sort of people from all different backgrounds. They will tell you their story and um, there's a great cultural exchange, probably that is the what I love the most. I was a dancer when I was younger and I think that uh, hospitality as I personally intended um, probably a lot of people would be with me in this. It's it is show business. I feel we are in the entertainment business and I think that is also part of what I love in this industry. Well, Isabella, it's an absolute honour to have you on Deep in the Weeds today to hear just a part of your story. Um, I think we'll have to catch Thank up you. again. I am honoured. And dive into the world of Italy um, down the track a little bit more. But, I would um, love that. I would love that. Thank you. Please keep in touch and we'll catch up again soon. Thank you. Ciao. Grazie. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast. 
or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.